A lot of you have been asking me for insomnia treatment options, so I want to let you know I have launched an insomnia treatment course. It's a very structured and effective treatment program with a lot of clinical evidence support. So one course is in Chinese and one is in English. You can find it at deepintosleep.co/insomnia. Hi, I'm Dr. Ishan. Today, let's talk about how sleep changes when we get older. Do you think as we age, we actually need less sleep? Well, that's not actually true. When we get older, our sleep patterns do change, and we may have difficulties getting the amount of sleep we need. But our bodies may still need certain hours of sleep. I know you may have a lot of questions on this topic, so I invited Dr. Wise to join us today. Dr. Wise is a clinician scientist at the University of Buffalo Department of Geriatrics and Palliative Medicine. Let's learn from the expert together. Hi, Dr. Wise. Welcome to Deep Into Sleep podcast. Hi, Dr. Michelle. So glad to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. So. The time when we record this episode actually is the beginning of the new year, and I think since it's a new year, we need to have something different, something new for all our audience. So, for whoever been listening to our podcast, possibly know we talk a lot of different topics, covering different topics within the sleep field. But there's one thing a lot of people always ask me, but I haven't been able to find an expert to talk about is the sleep. Connection and aging. So today, I'm very excited to have Dr. Wise, an expert in this field, to really share more of this information to us all. Thank you. It's it's such a pleasure to be here.、Uh, I've been listening to the podcast, so I was very happy for the opportunity to participate and share a little bit about my research on sleep and aging. And hopefully, share information that's going to be helpful for everybody who's listening. Great. So, Doctor Rice, I always want to know what our sleep look like as we age, right? I think people keep on asking me this question. A lot of people have the idea: okay, our sleep possibly change as we age, but is that true? How it does it change exactly? Yeah, so that is true that our sleep changes as we age.、Uh, so in general, sleep gets lighter. We wake up more frequently through the night.、Uh, it makes it may be more difficult to fall asleep, also, and also、uh, we tend to go to bed earlier and wake up earlier the next day. So those are the、uh, I would say the more traditional, more common changes that we observe in sleep as we get older. But one thing that is interesting to say is that the need for sleep doesn't change much. So if you look at an adult that usually needs seven to nine hours of sleep per night, an older adult still needs about seven hours of sleep per night. Although、uh, there are physiological changes happening in the sleep, the necessity to sleep is still almost the same. Oh, that's very interesting. So we can really separate those things. Yes, yes, and it's it's a good way to evaluate also how、uh, sleep is affecting the physical or cognitive performance for an older adult by asking them how is your sleep quality. 
because we want to make sure that with the physiological changes that uh, aging brings to sleep, they're still able to achieve good sleep quality or they're waking up the next day not having uh, excessive the time sleepiness or not feeling fatigued. We still want to be able to uh, achieve good sleep quality despite of the changes. Wow. Yeah. So I think we always emphasize sleep quality, right? Over quantity, not just look at the quantity. But here the question is if elders have similar sleep needs, but their sleep been changing in such a way you just described, does that mean when we get older, we all sleep poorly? So that is a great question because I get that uh, asked a lot too uh, when we're doing some clinical studies. Many participants in our studies, they say, when I ask them if they have sleep problems, they say, well, everybody has sleep problems when they got my age. So it's a 70-year-old or 80-year-old, they say everybody has sleep problems. The truth is that we should be able to still have good quality of sleep even though those changes are happening. And that's why it's so important for us as sleep scientists and clinicians to have an accurate evaluation of the sleep in older adults and also have the right interventions to help them sleep better. Mm. So there's always hope, right? No matter what age you are at, I think it's important to understand what's the normal sleep look like for your age. If you're not feeling like you are sleeping well, then find the resource and expert to help you. Exactly. That's exactly our point. So for someone, you know, see if they think, well, everyone gets my age sleep poorly, and then they don't seek help. What are some consequences for elders who, you know, have a lower quality of sleep? Some of the consequences that we, we see are for physical and for cognitive performance. So for physical performance, we see several studies pointing out the uh, correlations with poor sleep quality and risk of falls. So they're more likely to fall and have some uh, physical injury because of uh, poor sleep quality. Our team here at the University of Buffalo, we look more at the sleep quality and cognitive performance. So for example, we can make assessments for memory, for mood, and for executive function. And we see the correlations between having a poor sleep quality and have memory impairment, uh, poor executive function, and uh, also uh, more likely to have depression. Wow. So sounds like all these things, right? When people, I know a lot of people would treat those separately, or I have memory problem, or I have mood disorders, but rarely people link those with sleep. Yes, that's correct. And sometimes, too, uh, when we are recruiting participants for our studies, we observe that because of memory impairment or because of mood disorders, they, older adults are uh, recommending some medications that actually affect their sleep. Oh. So then uh, makes the problem even worse in the end of the day. So uh, polypharmacy is, a, is an issue among the geriatric population, but specifically for sleep and cognition, 
we are trying to have a different approach for that. Right. That's very interesting question. I'm thinking when that's like a certain uh, someone, right? Think about themselves. Do you have the sleep problem first or you have other problem first? Because sleep could be a root cause of all the other things. But also sleep could be a symptom of like depression and other things. So is there a way for someone to tell apart or self do some self-screening to understand what the problem is exactly? Yes. So being looking at uh, how to have an approach for this issue specifically with the uh, geriatric population. So for example, some studies report that sleep is a mediator for uh, cognitive impairment. And some other studies look very interesting to the physiology of the brain and how uh, sleep has important uh, participation in maintaining the, the, the physiology of the brain. Uh, specifically for the glymphatic system, kind of the cleaning, like quote unquote, uh, mechanism that our brain has to uh, remove all the, the accumulation of toxins or molecules during uh, during sleep. On that sense, then sleep is probably part of the mechanism of cognitive impairment, right? Because if you're not sleeping well, the glymphatic system is not working well to remove those molecules, for example, beta amyloids that are associated with Alzheimer's disease. It's very much a chicken and egg situation. Who comes first is the chicken or the egg. Uh, The way that we approach that is looking at sleep first. We have the possibility to look at the participants in a longitudinal way. So we can uh, recruit them when they are, um, let's say 60 years old, for physical activity, nutritional programs, and also for sleep assessments. And then we can have a longitudinal uh, uh, input for their sleep patterns. And start to correlate how early we can see uh, changes in sleep patterns that will reflect cognitive impairment. So very mild cognitive impairments to give us the opportunity to have a good intervention either with exercise intervention, nutritional intervention, or cognitive behavior therapy to help them sleep better and hopefully to postpone as much as we can having those um, negative impacts that uh, this lack of sleep cause in older adults. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so seems like no matter what's happening, if we are not sure, right, always put some attention to sleep. How to say whether sleep can be can be improved somehow? Yes, I, I would say that sleep is a key component that we definitely should look at that first. If we think from um, a perspective, for example, for um, what type of assessment we want to make, you can do an MRI or a PET scan uh, to the brain to see what's going on there. But it's much easier to have some gold standard surveys, for example, for sleep quality, or to have an actigraphy or a Fitbit to look at uh, sleep and wake patterns. I think sleep is uh, not only a vital information, but also it's easy and more affordable for us to approach as clinicians and as, as scientists as well. 
Right. Great. I think that's a very important information for everyone who are listening to to understand, even for the people outside of our field. If you are bothered by sleep problem or you you have family members uh, have all these problems and also try to look into sleep first. A lot of time it's a short-term treatment if it's insomnia, for example. But then that remind me, since you just mentioned cognitive functioning and Alzheimer's disease, I know there are quite some myths out there, some scary theory, seeing if you sleep poorly, you don't sleep well, when you get old, you will have Alzheimer's disease. What do you think about that? Oh, yes. So uh, those studies that they came out within the past year, they were in the news also. And I I found fascinated uh, to read those studies and see, for example, one of them, they start having a longitudinal uh, study as well, and they start looking for individuals when they were 50 years old and then 60 and 70s. And they find out that those individuals around 50 years old, they're starting having sleep disturbances and sleeping less than six hours per night. In the long term, they uh, were more likely to have uh, Alzheimer's disease or cognitive impairment. So I, I usually use that data on my presentations. And uh, when I have to uh, talk to the participants in the, sleep, in the sleep center or nursing homes or outreach that we do for the community, I usually bring that information there. And I joke like, I don't want to scare you, but uh, it should be not something to make anybody scared. I, I think it should be an eye-opening to the importance of sleep, just uh, letting us uh, reinforce that information on how important sleep is, that it's not only putting our head in the pillow and there's nothing going on there, the brain is working so hard to keep us healthy and functioning, so just reinforce that. Right, right. That make remind me of when we eat, try to eat healthy, right? I have a lot of friends uh, over the COVID talking about, oh, we are changing our diet. We are trying to eat healthy because there's a lot of uh, research and theories out there say if you eat certain things, if you don't eat healthy, when you get old, you're going to have a cancer or all the, all the other things. I feel like it's in a way, it's very similar. Yes, yes, I agree with that. And I, I do feel that during COVID and staying at home, some people will start paying more attention on how uh, the change in sleep pattern affects their health, and they decide to use sleep as a new year resolution to sleep better. <laughs> yeah, the, the only worry I have is hopefully people don't take this so seriously that they try to control every piece of their sleep. That definitely going to make sleep even more difficult to happen. Exactly. That's the problem there. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the tricky part that's different from food, that you can choose oh, what food I'm going to cook today, what food I'm going to buy today. But for sleep, it's not like, oh, I'm going to sleep this way. I think this is the healthiest way and it's going to happen. It's not. <laughs> not. Yeah, it doesn't happen like that. <laughs> yeah, sleep yeah. is so interesting. And talking about elders, right? Elders, when we get older, our sleep. One question I often get from people is, well, after we retire, we have all the time of the world. 
how are we gonna stop ourselves from laying on the couch, watching TV, and then fall asleep in the afternoon? And of course, at night I cannot fall asleep. <laughs> oh yes, that's uh, that's something that we get a lot here as well. When I was in training for cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia, I had this opportunity to join a workshop with Dr. Michael Perlis. And he said this, that I care for my entire career. He said that napping is like having a snack before dinner. So if you snack too much before dinner, you're not going to have a full meal. And it's likely that later on, you're going to still be hungry at a weird time that you're not supposed to be eating. And I usually tell this uh, when we are uh, conducting studies to remind that it's okay to take a nap, but uh, we need to be mindful about when we take a nap and how long those naps are going to be. And the challenge for uh, an older adult is because their social schedule is different, right? So for younger people uh, having time to be at work, to leave work, and also some for people who have kids, uh, childcare, you're not going to sleep in. You have to take care of your kid and all this, this type of things. And for an older adult, all the social uh, aspects are different, especially when they are retired. So I, I try to explain them um, what sleep does and about this analogy that napping is like having a snack before dinner. And it usually works for them because they understand like, okay, this is, this is true. If I snack too much, I'm not eating my full meal at night. So I'm going to make sure that I have my alarm set for my nap so I don't sleep three hours, right? I'm going to take a 30-minute nap before 3 p.m. and then I'm going to sleep well at night. Oh, I see. So it's important for people to understand the science behind it so they can monitor their own napping, their own behavior, even though they have time. Possibly try to use this time for other things, not just napping forever. Yes, yes, exactly. I found that it's very helpful when we share this, uh, this, this information about the science behind it, rather than just say that, oh, you cannot nap more than 30 minutes. I, ex I explain to them why is that and what the, it does, and usually it works for them. Well, that's great. So another similar uh, related question about this is, Older adults, a lot of times they have like physical pains, they have a lot of medical issues, right? They possibly not, they are not able to move around or go outside too much. So I'm wondering, will that impact their sleep somehow? Because they cannot go out, because they cannot move around. So they just tend to sit there or lay down somewhere and that will make them very easy to fall asleep. Yes, that's definitely a challenge. We we have some um, older adults in situations like this that the mobility is limited. So either they use a walker or a, a wheelchair or they need somebody to help them moving around. So in, in those situations, we need to make adjustments to make sure that we help them create a, a routine that will allow them to have a clear separation between day and night so they can make the brain understand better when it's bedtime, when it's wake up time, 
So for situations like that, for example, along with sharing information about sleep hygiene or some small modifications that they can make uh, to adjust to their condition, uh, we can also use uh, morning bright light therapy to help them with wakefulness during the day and then hopefully helping them sleep better at night. Oh, I see. So there are certain ways uh, adjusting the treatment to them. Yes. For example, we had one uh, situation with the study participant or somebody in the community asked about this. It's like, I, I want to sit on my chair all day. So what do I do then so I, can, I don't fall asleep during the day for longer? So setting an alarm or having the blinders open to let the sunlight in, just try to adjust to the routine for what they do and make sure that they have this clear separation between day and night. Yeah, that's great. And whoever listening hopefully can borrow this idea. But again, sleep is a very individual thing, right? If you need the treatment to be really tailored to your own situation, still you need to go to a professional. You need to go to a sleep specialist to really find it out exactly for your own situation what you can do. Yes, yes. So when you work with adults, uh, older adults a lot, have you encountered any common challenges when you're working with this population? I'm wondering, is that anything different? Anything you find extremely difficult or is there any common patterns? Yes. So there is one common pattern that uh, I found in this, this population and is uh, one of the, the um, guidance that we provide for um, cognitive behavior therapy for insomnia, for example, is uh, to wake up every day at the same time, because most of the participants in this population, they are retired, they don't have a social schedule that demands them to be on a certain place by nine o'clock or by 10 o'clock. They don't have uh, a set schedule in that sense. Uh, most of them have a hard time waking up at the same day, uh, at the same time every day. Although we know by the physiological changes that happen with age, uh, older adults tend to wake up earlier. But what happens is that sometimes they wake up earlier, let's say um, 5 a.m. or 4.30 a.m., they wake up, they sometimes have a small breakfast or just uh, some milk or something like this. And they, they go back to bed again and sleep until 9.30 or 10 a.m. because they don't have, uh, the, again, that social schedule that demands them to be at some place at some other time. So waking up at the same time every day is usually very challenging for them. Wow, I see. Oh, that's interesting and understandable. Mm. Then uh, another observation I have is a lot of older adults, they have difficulties getting up in the middle of the night, right? When we use CBT for insomnia method, if they you know, uh, wake up in the middle of the night, they cannot fall back asleep. After a while, they should get up, leave the bed. But I think for them, for this population, there are fall risks. There are medication, uh, like medical reasons. It's maybe dangerous or inconvenient for them. 
And I'm wondering whether that's something you noticed in your practice as well. Yes, we do notice that. And especially being Buffalo, I'm here in Buffalo, New York, it's very cold during the winter. Uh So whenever we suggest that they get out of bed, they look at me like, it's 10 degrees. I'm not getting outside. (laughs) I'm not getting out of the bed. It's too cold. So we try to make adjustments for that also. So for example, for the risk of falls, we recommend, for example, having a a light with dimmer lights that is not too bright, but enough for them uh, that they can see where they are stepping and make sure that they are not falling when they they have to get up. Or uh, sometimes some recommendations, for example, having a chair close to your bed. So if they can get up and just sit on that chair until they can see exactly what they're doing and then get out. So we can make some small adjustments like this for, for them, but it's it's a challenge to, to get out of the bed in the middle of the night. Right, definitely. And remind me of one of my patients. She's in China, in Northern China, and also very cold, snowing in the winter time. So she tweaked this herself. She told me what works for her is she just uh, wake up and uh, switch her position totally. So head nice. to toe, toe to head, right? And nice. lay down there. And when she feels sleepy, she returns back. Returns back. <laughs> That's a good strategy. It's, a, it's an alternative. You know, she's, she's changed the position. So the brain is still recognized when the sleep position is. Yes, and it's not uh, just not getting out in the cold. So yeah, <laughs> it's a good strategy. <laughs> so it's so interesting, right? What strategy works for each person and how to be creative so you can be safe, comfortable at the same time. You can sleep better and better. <laughs> yes, I like that strategy. I think I think I will, I will write that down because somebody needs some alternative. I can share this. <laughs> one <laughs> yeah yeah give it a try and see whether anyone else right can benefit from that that would be really fun <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah yes. so this is amazing this is really interesting i think important topic and i think every single one of us eventually uh gonna have to face right now we all possibly have older family members we have to uh, think of eventually ourselves will go through this uh, necessary life stage. I think really understand what's happening behind it, the science behind it, and not be too panicky about aging and sleep. Definitely, I think would be helpful for us. Yes, yeah, and I usually when I I have to make uh, presentations for the research group or to talk to potential research participants, I start showing a picture of the Golden Girls. Uh, there was this uh, famous TV show here in America in the eighties, and then I show a picture of Jennifer Lopez because so when the the Golden Girls uh, came out, they were in their fifties. Some of them were in their fifties. And the image that we have for an older adult uh, 30 years ago or 40 years ago is that gray hair, very frail, um, unable to do much things, unable to participate in the society so much. 
And then today, when we look to somebody that is 50s, it's like Jennifer Lopez, uh, up and going, in great shape, you know? So I, I usually show that to say, hey, the ideas that we have about growing older are changing because we are changing. So it's important for us to follow how the science is promoting health and wellness as we get older. Yeah, wow, that, that's great. That's great to know. I think, I, I did not think about this before. It's not just sleep changes as we age. Actually, the whole culture, the society is changing, right? How we do day-to-day -day activities, what we eat, uh, and even nowadays, online socializing computer technologies, they are all different. They're going to impact later when we age, what that may look like. And of course, going to impact how our sleep going to look like. Yeah, so it's, it's, a total, uh, it's a global change, I would say. And it's so good that we can have sleep as a, a, a tool to evaluate how we are, we are stepping into this new step of our lives with um, am I gonna be well and healthy because I'm sleeping well or can I use sleep to support me to age well? Mm, yeah, I like that. So today I think we cover a lot of very important and wonderful topics about sleep and aging. Dr. Weiss, you have a great uh, Instagram account. You do a lot of public education and lectures. So if any of our audience are curious about your work, want to follow you on one of the social media platform or know more about your work, where can they find you? Yeah, so I, I have this Instagram account that is called Dr. Wise Sleep Education. That's where I share about basic sleep science in a way that it can be applied to daily life or that can be understood by everybody. So it's, it's uh, that the Instagram, I try to keep it very light and bright and funny and uh, hopefully to uh, all the audiences to be uh, uh, looking into that and see how sleep is important for life. That's wonderful. I think that's so important, right, for people to understand the sleep knowledge for every single person should be able to find it's easy and light and fun. And I think that's great work you are doing. I will put that uh, IG account uh, in our show notes. So everyone who listens to this will be able to have access to it. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. So near the end of our show, do you have any last wisdom you want to share with everyone who are listening? Yes. So I, I want to share that um, sleep is one of the vital things that we can have in our body to connect uh, our physical and mental health. So let's use sleep as this powerful tool to age well and live better. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Dr. Weiss, for offering this wisdom to us all. And I'm sure our audience take a lot from this. If that can help reduce any little bit anxiety of aging and sleep, and you know, anyone can carry back home some useful tips and information, I think that would be so great. Thank you. 
Thank you so much, Dr. Nishan. Thanks so much. I, I love the podcast and I appreciate the opportunity to be here and share the science. If you have any questions about sleep and aging, please feel free to leave a comment. Let me know. I have an online insomnia treatment course for Chinese-speaking clients. If you know anyone may benefit from that, please feel free to check it out at mindbodygarden.com slash course slash CBTI. Now spring comes and it's beautiful outside. Hopefully you get some chance to go out, get some sunlight exposure, and enjoy the nice weather, especially if you're in California. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Dr. Ishan. I will see you next time. Sleep is an individual thing. We all sleep differently, and there is so much we can do to improve sleep quality. Keep hope and carry on. This podcast is for general informational purpose only and does not include the practice of medicine or other health professional services. Usage of the information we share is at the listener's own risk, and our content does not intend to be a substitute for any medical and professional services, diagnoses, and treatment. Please seek professional health services as needed. Are you suffering from insomnia? I promise you, the CBTI method in my course will definitely help you. Even if several nights of better sleep, that would be a world-changing experience for you. I have had so many success from my insomnia patients who have taken this course over the years. If you know someone who are struggling with sleep, go to my website and check out my course at deepintosleep.co forward slash insomnia.